You're listening to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby Podcast. We're live each Monday night on YouTube, available for download every Wednesday morning through your favorite podcast provider, and always online at earfulofdirt.com. Bringing you the latest news, views, and abuse from across the United States, here's your hosts. And we're live. Welcome to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Corey Mutson coming to you live from Iowa. I'm joined, as always, by Aaron Castro down in Arizona and Liam Madigan-Fried in Houston. Josh Redland is behind the scenes moderating comment section, so be sure to hit him up with any questions, comments, or thoughts you got during the show. So, guys, how was your week? Um... Uh, complete trash. Uh, I mean, you know, Liam's fucking fresh out of college, so fuck him. Um, but <laughs> I, I mean, school is great. I always like school, but, uh, just finished a freaking midterm and, you know, this is the greatest thing. This is the greatest idea that I've ever come up with. So professors, instead of saying until midnight of a Friday, uh, how about we just do 2 a.m. of the Saturday? Cause at some point. There's going to be one fucking, pardon, there's going to be one student that's still writing until 2 a.m. That's Saturday morning, just trying to, like, bang it out and get their midterm in. Um, and taking a final. So, got that done. Um, so, we've got a little bit of runway for a while. It's it, This week is a full-on break from college and just some work stuff. So, But uh, the weekend was also trash, but we'll get into that. It was just a pile, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, dude, I would give anything to be back in school right now because I'm just staring down the barrel of that of the fact that I'm going to work until I'm 60 or 70 or 90 or 120 years old. You know, who knows how medical science will be by then, but I'm never going to get to retire, and this is just how my life is going to be. Hey, but I, the fact I, is that I'm working in rugby, and that's cool. It's way better than working construction or bartending, both of which I've had to do. So. You know about you know about going until you're like 100 or something? Yeah. So I go to the grocery store out here because it's, you know, oxygenarian central at some point in the winter. And you know who's who's running the cash register? Freaking Ooh. Grandpa Joe or who who or Grandma Annie at, at the grocery. Like so that's what that's what I got to look forward to. Cause I'm I'm sure I will never retire either. And I will move on out of rugby and out of something else and be working at the grocery store. Oh yeah, dude, you're the wrong side of Gen X, man. I'm I'm afraid you're just as screwed as I am. So <laughs> I, I don't know. Uh, he's in law school right now, and he is uh, seriously involved with another lawyer. So I, I feel like you guys might be able to retire at 55. <laughs> <laughs> I think she might like try to. Now she's she's got some astronomical goals that she'll be accomplishing. So maybe for all. Intents and purposes, since uh, I'm sort of working in sports now, she'll be the one that really works in sports and become a general counsel of a, of a sports franchise. Uh, I'm not going to lie, dude. I'm counting on nuclear war to pay, pay off. <laughs> like, oh, come on. Uh, dude, Cthulhu 2020. Why choose the lesser evil? Am I right? Like, <laughs> I, I just assume – I'm just going to go ahead and count on uh, Bernie Sanders getting elected and uh, just – Getting rid of all my debt for me in the future. I think it will be great. 
It, it doesn't uh, work that way, but okay. <laughs> so, so the other thing that, that pissed me off today, I, I should have made a tweet right about this, is so GI benefits. Let's talk about GI benefits. Go to school, kids. Join the Army. Then go to school again using your GI benefits. And um, I called the, I call ASU today, and I was like, you guys have all this paperwork. Let's just get this done so, like, the comptroller can get their pound of flesh, and I can get some extra money for my pocket. Uh, but uh, so at first, like the first kid, uh, obviously someone in work study working in veterans that are less competent was like, oh, we have everything. And then um, I get an email saying that they don't have everything. And then I call them back this afternoon. And I guess the guy I spoke to on work study was competent. And he's like, no, we, we have everything. I just, I was like, good. Cause I got receipts. Receipts. You're like me on my taxes. I'm like, you owe me money. I got receipts. <laughs> uh, all right. So this week on Receipts Podcast, uh, we are uh, the Major League Rugby Podcast. We are earful of dirt. We follow Major League Rugby, the professional uh, rugby union here in the United States. This is our chance to look at the issues, talk through them, hear from the league, players, and team leadership, and to check in with our friends from across the U.S. rugby scene. With all that said, Aaron, you're going to fill us in on what we got coming up this week. Well, do, has anyone checked the reviews? Hey, you know, uh, in rugby podcasts in America, uh, if you give us a five-star, you can even talk trash against your mortal enemy. It could even be me. I'll read it out loud. I don't care. Just give us a five-star review so that we can continue providing you the best coverage in Major League Rugby and uh, maybe the second-best coverage of the Eagles. I think we're the best, but uh, our friends at uh, Red, White, and Black Eye might have something to say because they've been at it longer than us. But uh, five-star review. Help us climb the charts. Thank you very much. Uh, The rundown. We're going to talk about the World League and some misconceptions. Uh, There was a blizzard in Denver. Um, we'll talk about that. There was a blizzard in Salt Lake. Talk about that. Uh, New York is just mm, 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 mm. in Houston. They're up. Do a freaking dance, man. From me at the end of the show only. All right. Like, we'll talk, uh, you know, recap the America's Rugby Championship round four. Uh, and get into next week's fixtures. All right. So first up, we've got this weird, weird thing called the World League. Uh, Okay, so this isn't exactly MLR. This is MLR adjacent. It is rugby union. Uh, In the the Americas, greatly affecting the Americas. Yes, exactly. Greatly affecting us specifically, the United States. So this is an idea... uh, Proposed last week by World Rugby. Uh, we're not even proposed so much as the story leaked out that they were going to propose this. Uh, World League of 12 teams that would play each other every year uh, for the next decade. Uh, the 12 teams were rumored to be New Zealand, Australia, South Africa, Argentina, England, Ireland, Wales, Scotland, France, Italy, Japan, and the U.S. And of course, as soon as that list uh, came out, there was a lot of controversy. Uh, not not 
least of which was coming from the Pacific Islands, uh, specifically Samoa, Fiji, and Tonga, uh, who were left off of that list and who have since come out and said, okay, well, you're going to cut us from that. We're going to go ahead and skip the 2019 World Cup in Japan uh, in protest of their exclusion. I think that kind of brings us up to speed. Um, Aaron, do you want to lead us off on kind of what you're hearing about this? Well, okay. So we had a bunch on it last week, so really not exactly 12 teams. It would still have two tiers. Uh, part of this, there would still be, you know, 12 teams on the top, the 12 teams in the second rung. Uh, the, the idea of no promotion being uh, at odds for 8 to 10 years, depending on uh, somebody's uh, – Hey, if, if somebody wants to leak us a plan, I will get you a legal opinion done and advice for free because uh, I have a, an attorney and some sports attorneys that I also know as well, and we will we'll help you there. Um, but so it was leaked out. I thought it was leaked out originally. I'm, I'm, I was guessing Steve, too, spoke to the Herald, the New Zealand Herald, but he actually didn't. Uh, then I thought, oh, it's got to be a Six Nations source uh, because they leaked it out to the mouthpiece of the New Zealand Rugby Union in the Herald. Oh, I mean, it's a Six Nations source, but it, it wasn't a Six Nations union. It was one of the RPAs uh, in the Six Nations, probably considering – I'm not sure who, uh, but they leaked it to the Herald, which makes it even – crazier but the thing is that aka i mean i got beat up with this i called it virtue signaling because no one really cared the last time the world league came up uh when it was going to be fiji and japan and like just the whole idea of this system like just doesn't work that well uh but uh, a lot of my commentary on it last week was really based on economics not because i liked it I think the World League is a horrible idea in general because test rugby is test rugby. We don't really play friendlies uh, like soccer does. Like they play a lot more and it's very weird. Uh, the player welfare uh, issues that Kieran Reed brought up are, is actually, I would say, incorrect because New Zealand played 14 test matches last year. South Africa and Wales played 13 test matches last year. Australia played 13 test matches last year. I talk about, you know, player load all the time and what needs to happen. Uh, really, international test matches, you're, you're kind of capped at 11, which this league, minus the, the semifinalists and the finalists, would cap your tests at, uh, but would cap the total number of test matches for the finalists at 13, which, you know, if it's the All Blacks, they play, thir- they play 14 every year. So their load is down by a game. Um, so, you know, the idea international rugby doesn't make nearly as much money as you think, or as much money as it needs to tier ones want more revenues. World rugby wants more revenues. Uh, there are like so many misconceptions about like this concept. We're, we're in a conceptual phase of planning, but it it gets even dumber. Uh, this week, uh, Bill Beaumont, uh, issued an emergency meeting of the 10 tier one nations and Japan and Fiji, no regional associations, uh, nobody else. So rather than just convening an emergency meeting of the world council, 
uh, we're just compounding the issue by closing this sort of off. Um, two nations did vote against those being Scotland and Italy uh, when it came to promotion and relegation. So it's not just Italy uh, that's saying no. Uh, it's likely that Wales would even say no to promotion and relegation, to be honest, because they are running into a whole bunch of financial issues. Uh, they're undergoing a full audit and changing some things up called Project Reset. Um, so it's, it's very simple in terms of this and relative to economics and the reason why uh, the USA was originally included, whether it was because of one broadcast or multiple ones, it's the value of the U.S. market. Uh, the value of the U.S. market when you sell these rights to a U.S. broadcaster are significantly lower without the Eagles. And it's significantly lower to sponsors without the Eagles, too. Yes, I get Fiji, but guess, but here's where you got to be simple and the math doesn't add up there. 330 million people in the United States, it is still the most lucrative and valuable sports market in the world. Fiji has 1 million people. The worth of the, the television rights and the revenue that you would get from selling the rights to Fiji with Fiji in it versus the U.S. is significantly less, and you wouldn't get the revenues dis distribution that you're looking for. Um, and then, so, like I said, World League, bad concept. There are ways to fix this. Uh, they just they just redid the calendar a year ago, uh, saying that more tier ones would tour tier twos in the summer. Well, the USA needs at least three tier one tests a year. That means we need to host two and travel to one over those three windows, so we can get better. So we can also use that brand of that other team to. Uh, create revenue. And this is where I'm talking about the rugby championship and why the U S needs to get better to get in there rapidly, because what you could do revenue generation wise with those brands in this country is significant because we've seen that we've seen how the brand of the all blacks carries. And, you know, people are like, well, do you want to watch blowouts? Well, uh, the Browns watch a lot of blowouts uh, the Cowboys fans. What? <laughs> <laughs> Like, people will buy tickets to see blowouts. Get over it. Like, that's not a concern. Um, in, in rugby, I think it is. I, I think it's a little bit of an overstep to say that people will pay to see blowouts because, you know, there's obviously a very dedicated, uh, you know, niche of rugby fans that, well, yeah, they totally will. But we're not, we're not, I'm not talking about like the niche because the niche will always buy tickets. We're seeing all hail the niche. Uh, but I'm like the niche, the people who buy tickets to the All Blacks are not the niche because although a significant mobilization and deployment of the niche fans show up to that game, that's still not everyone. Uh, like it's, it's people that are just allured to the fact that they want to see the All Blacks see that England versus Kiwis game at mile high. People thought they were going to see the All Blacks. And not a rugby league game. Uh, the the reason why economically I was I'm not really I'm not in support of this. Like to be honest, like my no, position no, has, no, has no, not no. my position has not changed. But I was taking not the devil's advocate position uh, on social media, but more the economic argument as a way of facilitating the conversation and understanding where this where the idea of having the U.S. in it came from 
and that is this will transform if if the US was included it would transform what we can do it would dub, more than double our budget and Liam I noticed in your notes 14 million dollar per year price tag it's not a price tag that's how much we would get just from TV revenue like that's the distribution per country in the top rung of the world league which is insane um, as far as uh, being a Southern Hemisphere concept and a cash grab, I really don't have sympathy for these tier ones that are just making money hand over fist. Well, not every one of them is. Uh, the Rand is weak, so South Africa is struggling. Australia is, you know, dealing with developmental problems. But New Zealand has fifty million dollars new, so thirty-four million U.S. dollars in the bank. They have a war chest of their own. They're not giving. Fiji tests. They're not inviting Samoa. They're not inviting Tonga. They're not being a good, a good shepherd, not a Samaritan, but a good shepherd of their region. So why should we care? Like uh, part, part of this is I'm about mine, but does this actually develop rugby more? Well, I understand the point of what world rugby is trying to do. They need to make more money more often so that they can increase development grants to tier two and tier three countries. And here's part of the economic. So guess who pays the salary of Gary Gold? Shoot. Tell me. World rugby. Guess who pays the salary of Mike Ford in Germany? I'm guessing world World rugby. rugby. World rugby. Guess who pays Kingsley Jones's salary in Canada? Me. No, world, world rugby. World rugby. So, so you, so you get where I'm going, right? World rugby is financing so many of these unions. Like, it, as a percentage compared to Fiji, Samoa, or Tonga, our high performance grants aren't funding our union. They're funding our high performance programs, and member fees fund the rest of the union operations. Whereas in Fiji, Samoa, and Tonga, world rugby funds everything. Like they fund the Drua, like their flights to in the NRC uh, to Australia. So, like, I, when it comes to this, some of these some nations will never become tier one nations because they will never be able to generate the revenue required to achieve said status. They can be tier one on the field, but the the revenue required to support a tier one program is going to be truncated by the the population you have. Like Samoa has like a population of 130,000. Tonga has a population of 100,000. Uh, and, you know, it, it just is what it is. And those unions are immensely corrupt. Uh, you know, you, I can appoint you tomorrow as the union president if I was the prime minister of Samoa and all my brothers and all that stuff. Because that's what's going on right now. They're all on the take. So instead of most of the money from World Rugby going to, you know, the high performance programs, it's it's being skimmed off the top. And that's like you can find the facts on Google. The prime minister of Samoa is currently the president of the Samoan Rugby Union, and he has appointed about half his family to different posts within the union. So there you go. Uh, yeah, it's a lot of bullshit, but it, it is what it is. That was comprehensive. Liam, what do you think? Well, goddamn, I don't know what to think after Aaron just gave that whole spiel. 
Um, my main concerns, obviously, were with, uh, as Aaron said, the level of competitiveness, competitiveness that the USA would be able to put forth. Um, we're only two years into the, um, you know, into the institution of Major League Rugby, and we're just now getting a whole, you know, a, a larger scale pool of players with uh, a lot of professional minutes, um, you know, in order to develop their skills. Uh, but kind of like Aaron said, like, you know, are people going to want to see blowouts, you know, 35, 42 to 7, you know, against, uh, you know, nations like Ireland and New Zealand? Uh, the other half, though, is is that we would get to see nations like New Zealand and Ireland play each other just a little bit more. So there's the potential for some really good games within this concept of the World League. It's just some of the logistics, both financial, um, you know, and in terms of, you know, fitness, I guess you could say, that uh, are going to be speed bumps and they we're going to have to look forward to farther down the road. Very good. Uh, you guys have any other last minute thoughts on this one? All right, let's talk some MLR, if you guys are good with that. That is a thing, isn't it? <laughs> Major League Rugby was uh, on the pitch all weekend long. Well, at least uh, Saturday between uh, 8 p.m. and 9 p.m. Central Time. Uh, yeah, all the games were stacked up this weekend. It was kind of weird, and uh, two out of the three games were played in uh, whiteout conditions. So it was, a, it was an interesting weekend of rugby. All right, uh, whiteout conditions is a bit of a stretch, man. Like, <laughs> have you ever been in whiteout conditions? Like, that's I, I've played rugby in deeper snow than that before. My like, you know, back in Vermont too. Like, that's not whiteout. <laughs> okay, so my job here is to introduce the pieces and be very dramatic with it. <laughs> whiteout <laughs> conditions. Oh my god, I saw a polar bear in Utah. <laughs> they had a polar bear propping for the Utah Warriors. Can you believe this? And they still lost. Turns out John Sullivan was a polar bear. That's why he got that yellow. It was just. <laughs> oh, so one of those, one of those whiteout games, not really, was uh, Raptors versus Arrows in. Glendale, and uh, well, that was a kind of a one-sided affair. Uh, Glendale did win that one, and my score ran off on me. It was like, what was it, 22 to nil? 22 to zero. 22 to zero, Raptors, and uh, yeah. <laughs> Josh, you um, you were at that game. Josh Fredland, our friendly neighborhood administrator, Comment administrator, uh, I saw your pictures up on the website. And by the way, uh, go to earfulofdirt.com right now to check out those photos. Uh, there's about 20 of them up there. They are fantastic. Josh, tell us about the game. Uh, it was cold. Uh, it was nine. To, went back and looked at the temperatures, about nine degrees. The kickoff, seven by the end of the game. Um, I wasn't cold. Maybe it was just because I was bundled up and I was actually on the pitch, which is kind of lower down than the stands are. Um, Toronto really couldn't get any momentum in this game. I mean, they controlled the scum, the scrum, excuse me, but the Raptors controlled the field position. I believe they had two thirds of the possession in this game. Um, the Raptors definitely were able to hang on to the ball more. I don't, that may be because they actually practice outside. And if you look at some of the pictures I took, you could see the Toronto players clenching their fists, trying to keep their hands warm. So that may have helped, had some effect. Uh, the Raptors game 
the Raptors kicking game definitely helped them in this game, forcing the arrows onto their back foot a lot. Um, the elements definitely played a factor. I don't believe Toronto had any, I couldn't see any effect of the altitude on them. Um, bad part for me was driving home when I couldn't see the lanes on the highway and we were like Talladega going five wide at some points. <laughs> now, would you say that the conditions on their field were nearing whiteout? I wouldn't say on the field, but they were on the drive home. Okay. I'll take it. Um, I did forget to mention that uh, for those of us not... Straws, Corey. I-, I get that you're from Iowa. Straws of hay are quite common in your area, but you're <laughs> grasping at them nonetheless. <laughs> um, I forgot to mention in the intro that uh, for those of us not in Glendale for the game, there was a lot of issues with the stream. This is the first one that um, was broadcast exclusively on Denver's NBC affiliate and on their website. And I think the snow was kind of having its way with maybe the satellite truck sending the signal back to the station or something. I'm not sure, but uh, there was quite a bit of signal loss. I think that, okay, I mean, it it was an Infinity Park stream. So it was an Infinity Park stream. So yes. let's, let's just deal with that tight camera angles that make no sense. But uh, so from what I understand, the game TV uh, Lanier was fine in in Canada. So I think it was the upload rate. the The upload was obviously getting disrupted. Uh, you know, for the internet. And not the like actual linear piece from what I'm, you know, bit rates and whatnot. So, so Liam, go ahead and give us your thoughts on this one. Um, well, unfortunately, I was not able to watch this game due to the fact that I was working uh, at the SaberCats game. However, the one thing that I can really say is it's kind of funny that Toronto uh, found itself shut out despite the fact that this was a game in the snow and stereotypically you would think that Canadians sort of had this natural advantage. Um, that, uh, that and being the fact that Toronto is a, is a team that is much more, is that is much better at moving the ball methodically and up the middle with their forwards. So, you know, you would, you would think that in a game where, uh, you know, ball movement on the outside is is uh, the thing that's most great, greatly impeded that a team that's more oriented with their forwards would have a, you know, an easier time. However, Toronto was missing a few players due to the ARC that could have affected their chemistry. So uh, the Raptors. Yeah. So the Raptors. Yeah, no, 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 definitely. But the Raptors didn't lose, and they didn't get blown blown out. Uh, <laughs> so I'm just I'm trying to make sense of the fact that a team that everybody thought was this was their season to lose, you know, 22 to nothing. There's got to be some sort of explanation. The uh, you know the absence of Dan Moore uh, obviously is great as you know as one he, of their he played he, he played bro he the, played what, uh, their back line has not changed. Like I said, I don't have my notes in front of me right now, man. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but you know, the absence of a few players with the ARC could have affected the chemistry. Who knows how that twenty-two to nothing kind of came about, man? Um, you know, so I, w- I really wish, I really wish I'd picked the Raptors, but uh, you know, really hard to know because uh, you know I think I've been talking about their attack and how good it is. If only they held onto the ball. And guess what? They did that in adverse conditions tonight. Uh, you know, scrimmaging wise, Josh made light of it. You you could see it on the uh, on the broadcast. Like when it came to it, they the Raptors couldn't get traction. 
but the the, the arrows did. So does that mean the Raptors props and locks are wearing freaking moldits? Because that's what it looked like to me. Um, but so, I mean, credit to the strong boys in the engine room from Toronto, but really that was the only thing that was good for them. Uh, I mean, it's not like the, the Raptors were out practicing in the cold every day. Uh, it, the conditions affected affected both teams who wants to suffer for a couple of hours just to train, but it really wasn't that cold leading into, you know, Friday when it just decided to dump. I, Brian Ray, I know you're going to listen to this. So I do have to mention from our call today. Yes, you were correct. It was not, as I said, 34 degrees is for some, I saw it somewhere. I, I, I know like I read it, maybe that was the Utah temperature, uh, because even though it was still coming down in Utah, it actually wasn't that cold. But nine degrees, eh, like players can still play in that. It's about sitting on a concrete bench. They aren't allowed to wear long tights. Well, they so got just, they can they can wear pants if they're no, they sitting. can't. What? That's oh, well, oh, if they're sitting, sorry. No, no, they can't wear. They can't. Men cannot wear tights. Women can. So, well, not tights. They're not allowed to wear tights. They can wear leg. Women have a rule that allows them to wear leggings. Tights are are not as thick and not as structurally strong. Something, but female players have a rule because they demanded it. So, men, you know what I gotta say? Go get your own rule. Go get them leggings because if you, everyone plays like they played in snow last year in the Premiership. Like this, like who cares? But, you know, as I was saying, adverse conditions for both teams. But when it comes to what the Raptors were able to do, you, you've you seen what they've been doing with Denishin, with Takato Simpson, with Atta Malifa. Uh, they're kicking the ball and pushing it down the field, playing this attacking style, possession style, making the arrows come out of their own half. And the arrows couldn't come out of their own half, and they couldn't even get their hands on the ball often. But you look at just the possession, uh, you know, the Raptors had, I think it was like 61% of the possession. And, you know, they had over, they've averaged over a thousand meters made per game. In this game, they had, I think it was 960, uh, which is really more impressive. Uh, You know, the score line was 22-0. And the amount of tackles the Arrows had to make, I think it was 230. I need to do the math on that. Um, but it was a lot of tackles, which really shows you that uh, to get that um, the amount of tackles that the arrows had to make versus the amount of meters that the Raptors gained, like they they were very efficient and they were just running all over the arrows. Uh, you know, I I know some of our friends in the north maybe like you know throw this game out, but I I don't think this is smart because I think I think Raptors like I've been saying earlier they would wake up and they would start holding on the ball. I think they're for real. We'll see you next week. We'll, we'll definitely see. Uh, I'd like to give a shout out to John Ryberg because throughout the game, he was yelling at the arrows and it was the best thing on the field that day. Cause you know, he was mentally breaking them down as the game went on. <laughs> I love that. Those That's awesome. Canadians, man. They, they're not used to that amount of mental anguish. And they're just, you know, Canadians are nice. So you can't, you gotta be nice back to them. Right. Our bacon's round, eh? Don't you know? I, I think I think the uh, biggest question here is: Did they respect the kicker? 
Well, they they respect probably just because it was cold. <laughs> I don't know. Well, hey, to be fair, Toronto only had one kick. Yeah. So, well, yeah, and they missed it. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so uh, the the other game. Well, thank you so much, Josh. Thank you for joining us. I appreciate it. And uh, yeah, we'll uh, have reports as Josh makes it out to other games throughout the season. So uh, the other game played in the snow this weekend was NOLA visiting the Utah Warriors up in Salt Lake. Uh, this was this was a nail-biter. This one came down to uh, basically the end of the game, and uh, NOLA pulled it out 21-19. This is probably my favorite game of the weekend. Um, it was sloppy for certain and, you know, obviously cold. Uh, but Nola proved itself as a team that found a way to win, pulling out the victory near the death. Um, so, Aaron, do you want to go ahead and kind of share your thoughts on this one? Let's go. Utah, I mean, I think they're starting to hum along. Uh, we saw what they were able to do originally in the first half against the Raptors last week or two weeks ago. And But credit to Nola's defense. Uh, this is – the lowest amount of points they conceded all season. Uh, Scrimmaging-wise, I think Utah definitely had a little bit of the edge, uh, a little more from the Warriors than we have seen previously. Uh, Vandenberg put on a good shift, uh, repped them big, luckily, you know, with a try. Uh, and Angus McClellan really doing well in the tackle. Uh, like, he's he's a, he's a workhorse there. Johnny Ekat 9 worked out pretty well. Uh, so I think, uh, with Ian Luciano and Johnny Ika, they kind of got that position figured out. Uh, but let's talk about Feeks rather let his three tries do the talking for him. Yeah. Uh, he found himself pretty much everywhere, uh, you know, where he needed to be and, you know, hat tricks, hat tricks, a hat trick. That's, that's pretty much it without Feeks, uh, in this game, it's probably uh, it's probably Utah's game. But like I said, we're talking about creative styles of rugby. Scott Gale, he had like 560 meters off 13 kicks, uh, putting the ball in play. So they really they were able to figure it out. They really put the pressure on Utah's attack to be able to hold on to the ball and run it out of their own half. And they they really couldn't do it enough to stem the tide of the gumbo rugby. Gumbo rugby. Yeah. Wait, no, that's something. That's that's, that's <laughs> Texas. We'll, 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 we'll get to Texas in a little bit. <laughs> uh, Liam, did you get a chance to see this game? Uh, I, I more than got a chance to see this game. This is actually the uh, game I had to edit today for Fitzy's film study be, uh, because after Seattle, uh, the Houston Sabercats have a game versus uh, Nola coming up. So we had to get that film study uh, going. And that's, you know, mainly my job is to make sure that can happen. Uh, what I was really impressed with was, was Utah came out uh, really fast looking to kind of make a mark on this game. Uh, they got up seven to nothing within, I think, the first seven minutes of the game, correct me if I'm wrong, they were able to do a, a, an efficient couple of phases uh, inside the 22 when they were eventually able to break Nola's uh, defensive line. Um, I'm pretty sure they got up to 14 to three, you know, at, at their highest, uh, you know, uh, putting Nola at their highest deficit of the game. However, I, what I was really impressed with was Nola's ability to, to have, you know, more than decent line speed, uh, you know, all, all throughout. And that's really one of the uh, big ways they were able to break through Utah's otherwise pretty stout defense. 
Um, you know, def definitely shout out to uh, Blewett, to Feeks, um, you know, JP Eloff himself. There was a lot of phases uh, of, you know, of a lot of kicking volleys going back and forth in this game, which makes editing, you know, the film even kind of harder because you have to kind of divide it up by defense and attack and you have to keep on coming defense, attack, defense, attack. It, it kind of sucks. So shout out to the fullbacks of this game for making my job harder. But at the same time, it was really cool to see this true battle of territory Neither side wanted to put full faith in the passing game because of the conditions and because of the likelihood that some fingers were going to be frozen. But on that note, huge, uh, you know, big ups to both the scrum halves in these games. Um, you know, uh, you know, uh, especially Holden Younger. He had some really, really good passes out of the ruck. I bet I, I think I only saw one one pass into the ground from him throughout the entire game. Other than that. He was able to efficiently and pretty accurately distribute the ball to his playmakers. And I think that's a big reason why Nola's offense was able to get going the way it was. Uh, you know, just like I said, Feeks and like you said, Aaron, Feeks was all over the all over the uh, grounds on, on that day. You know, uh, big ups to him as a playmaker. Uh, we hadn't really heard his name all that much this season. So hopefully it's something that we're going to be hearing a lot more going forward. Well, one place you will hear his name is on the list of the uh... – player of the week for MLR. Uh, he, he got the yeah. first place this week, so good for him. And I think well-earned. NOLA really are having a special season. It's going to be it's going to need to see if they can carry it through toward to the end. So we'll oh, talk some more about that so in one questions. One thing I do want to say, though, is I feel like the last two weeks, we haven't talked about Vanicolo at all, despite the fact that he's one of the most exciting players in Major League Rugby. Uh, every time this guy has touched the ball, his, he has one of the most effective first steps in the league, his yard, his, uh, his meters per carry. I, I'm the last time I did the math last week was at, at over six meters per carry on the season. And I think it only went up after this past, uh, after this past game. So last week, he last or two weeks ago against the Glendale. Uh, I mean, he had a really good first half, second half. I mean, everyone on the Warriors kind of, kind of just tanked. everybody kind of disappeared, but you, you, but you can't deny those. In like, this, I would say in this game, I mean, game. in this in, the, in this game, he wasn't uh, like look at the stat sheet. He's on the stat sheet, you know. When a, especially in rugby, when a player is really invisible, like they they're like everything's a zero. Whereas you know, sometimes you can watch it. You can be scouting a game and see a player. It doesn't like they don't pop to you, but that's sometimes like I guess the best person I will talk about like this is Dominique Bailey. Dominique Bailey for Austin really doesn't do a lot on offense, but he's – I think he might be the leader in tackles in the league right now. So, you know, rugby has a lot of different – rugby, rugby has a lot of different work rate categories. So, you know, I, I get it. You know, tries are everything. But when it comes to putting in meters, uh, two, I think he had a, he didn't have a great game. He had a good game. Like, he always has a good game. It's really hard for him to to not have a good game, if that makes sense. So, like, when he's humming, sort of, I guess the best way to put it is, like, like when Kalinisau is just humming as a distributor, like, the, the things are, are going really well for the Sabercats. When, when Feitu is making every step and even, you know, tossing the ball around, you know, Utah wins games. He didn't really do it this game. He didn't have a bad game individually. No, so. most definitely not. But 
So the last game of the weekend, uh, we've lovingly dubbed in the uh, in the script here. Uh, Houston, we have a problem. Fuck off, Corey. <laughs> um, yeah. So Rooney, Rooney traveled to, to Houston, uh, face off against the Saber ta- Cats, and came away with a 35-8 to victory. Um, I guess, in my opinion, the uh, this game was never really in doubt. I felt like uh, Rugby United New York skirt, scored early, and uh, they just kind of kept scoring. And Houston just never really was able to get anything going for themselves. So, uh, Liam, did you have any thoughts you wanted to wanted to share right off the top? Or yeah, I got a couple of thoughts. Most of them Fitzy didn't approve for me to say on tonight's podcast, so uh, I got to keep a couple of them under wraps. However, I also want to say scoring soon is a matter of opinion. It was 12 minutes before Rooney was able to score, before which Houston was able to force three penalties inside their own 22. So they were able to keep New York's uh, you know attack at bay. Unfortunately, the likes of which of Connor of Connor Wallace Sims and Cathal March just made that impossible to stave off their attack entirely, especially when uh, a team like Rooney is so efficient at moving the ball in both phases of both their forwards and their backs. Uh, it was it was re- it was really hard to contain them, especially uh, their 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 meters per pass was something like uh, like seven point eight as opposed to the Saber Cats, which is only uh, five point four. I did the stats at some point today. I don't have them in front of me. Yeah, but no, it, it's it, pretty it, insane. It, it, yeah, no, it was it was something extremely uh, off-putting. However, the big disparity though was that the Saber Cats had, uh, I believe, a fifty-seven percent advantage in possession and a fifty-three uh, percent uh, uh, percentage advantage in territory. So that what what that says to me, um, and, it, and you kind of see the same thing: garbage meters. Garbage exactly. meaters. Exactly. They're not being efficient when it counts. They're not, they're not, and they're, they're not making plays when it counts. And we've seen this from the Sabercats from last season all the way up to this is that they have these big wild plays with 73 minutes to go. Um, you know, at one point, Osea, um, uh, Malachi Esdale had a, had a uh, 30 meter run only to try to offload it to uh, one of his teammates to have it knocked on complete bonehead move, uh, you know, that completely nullified what was otherwise good couple of phases to give Malachi Esdale the opportunity for the line break. You know, it's these, it's these mistakes that Houston keeps on shooting themselves in the foot with. They have a really dominant scrum. They're giving themselves, uh, you know, uh, possession opportunities off that and off uh, their effectiveness in the breakdown. They, uh, they, uh, they beat, they were able to beat Rooney in breakdowns one and break and, uh, and, uh, ball stolen within the breakdown throughout this game as well. It's just not being effective when they actually have the ball in hand for a consistent amount of time. They're not finishing. Um, you know, you, you you can give Sam Windsor all the opportunities to kick it post that you want, but if you're not actually scoring tries and allowing these huge splash plays by the other team every couple of minutes, you're not going to win games, and that's been the result of the Houston Sabercats season thus far. I look at this, and it's really interesting to see – uh, I want, you know, I've been down on the New York scrum pretty much all season. I think their props have not been propping well. And maybe that's because, you know, Fawcett hasn't been regularly there. Uh, but I thought uh, Rocheford and Patty Ryan uh, acquitted themselves decently well against two really good props in Jamie Deaver and Charlie Conley. Uh, but 
I guess we sort of saw this the same, like as you mentioned, like the same sort of game plan from the Sabercats last year. They've got these the strong forward pack. I would say their their collection of back rows, especially with the addition of Shram, uh, is much more dynamic than the back row you had last season. Uh, and you know, and Shram Shram puts in the work. Uh, you know, he gets almost every category. Really, he'll blow up he'll blow up rucks and then do what he needed to do, but. For for New York, it's I, I you can't say enough about what Dylan Fawcett did. I mean, he's a pretty vocal leader. You know, he talks sometimes he'll talk to himself and he'll say, Butch Butcher, put some mustard on it. I still want to know why he's called the Butcher. I hear it's actually not that cool of a story. Um, but he's really a physical leader. I I would say he led the team in work rate. He had 15 tackles, one try, and I think 10 carries uh, in this match. Uh you know when it when it comes to leading, he led his team to a victory. A big shout out to the old man from the AC, James Denise, thirty three years old, bagging two tries for New York in another start. I think, you know, you know uh, the armadillo Johnny Locks is going to have a hard time getting back on the pitch. If you know what I'm saying. Um, but uh, not the armadillo, the porcupine. Who am I calling the armadillo? Get your mammals correct, damn it. Uh, but uh, when it comes Mercy to, you, when it comes to Houston, the, you, I'm, I'm watching the game, and I would. it's a really bad comparison, but you got to do this. Vithi is so much different than any other wing in the league, period. Uh, he's more dynamic. He's more physical. Whenever he was in contact, there were like three or four New York players. He almost had 100 meters made, but he, he needs to be fed. 93 and meters. 93 meters. Uh, in feed, his game was feed, on seven feed Joshua. Okay, feed him because he's like – here's my comparison. He's like Saquon. Give Saquon the ball. He's going to make it happen. As long as his ankle's not hurt, right? Oh. Yeah. yeah, well, yeah. Well, as long as he's not living on a bum ankle, I think in this game, uh, I mean, he went 80 minutes. It looks like he'll be all right for at least a little while. Uh, but he, I think if you can use him and get him to score, uh, it, it will help lift the Sabercats. But um, that's not to say that, you know, that's well, the only thing that the Sabercats have because they can execute an attack. I just well, was watching the game and I'm like, just give him the ball. Give him the ball, please. Well, here's the thing, though, is, you know, first, I just want to say I love Joshua VD. The, the dude is the first one to say hello to me at practice, like every single day. We have we we have this thing where every time we see each other, we bula, which is hello in Fijian. And whether it's hello or goodbye, we're shouting it at each other. That being said, sometimes Josh can get a little bit overzealous, especially inside the 22 looking for the score. I find that Josh is a lot more effective uh, between the 22s out in the open field in terms of gaining ground. Uh, then you have people like Connor Mills um, and you know as Malachi Esdale, who were a lot more uh, powerful in terms of, of their first and second step uh, with the ball in hand, who I think are like, you know are a lot more effective at actually punching the ball in. Um, you know, or if, you know, if you're really on the try line, giving it to the forwards who are so effective uh, down there in Houston, uh, you know, like I said, Josh, you know, for 
you know, for as talented as he is, sometimes, you know, making that last attempt over the try line is not his strongest suit um, as opposed to some of the other players. Um, so, yeah, definitely give the give the ball to Josh Moore. But there's so much talent on that on that back line between Esdale, Kalinasau, Joshua and Pangelinen that, you know, it, it can, the ball can be recycled to all of those guys and be just as effective as with one guy. Fair enough. So <clears throat> the last game we want to hit on over the weekend was our ARC game. Uh, USA faced off against Uruguay in Seattle. Yeah, uh, how did that go, guys? That did not go great. I would like to point out that I was the only one that actually uh, predicted a U.S. loss on that one. So uh, yeah. you're welcome. Fuck you, Corey. Uh, U.S. fell to Get Uruguay. Bent, dude. Like, back you your are... boys. At least just pick them by one, man. Gee, yeah, at least I picked the Sabercast for three weeks in a row to begin the season, and I was, you know, at least a little delusional. Man, fucking just stand by the USA. Jeez. You guys don't know me. You don't know my life. Gosh. Go back and eat some corn. Yeah. So the uh, final score is 32-25 to Uruguay. Uh, Read through the recap, since that's what we do, since it's on flow and I can't watch it. Uh, (laughs) Seems like, honestly, the uh, loss can be laid squarely at the feet of the U.S. handling errors and uh, penalties. I know, Aaron, you had the chance to watch this one. Um, What the hell happened in Seattle? Um, you know, I, I, so Chance Wangleski comes up with an injury, uh, pretty late, uh, in the day on Saturday and Olive Khalifi, <laughs> he was asked, I think like five hours before the match, like, uh, whatever the form is that the union has to submit to get players released. They were like, <laughs> Hey coach. Can Ollie play today? <laughs> so Olive wasn't supposed to uh, be on the bench uh, for the USA. Uh, originally, uh, they they got it wrong in the broadcast. He was wearing the bench at number seventeen, and David Ayunu, uh, who plays for Stade Toulouse in France, uh, took the starting role for uh, Chance Wengleski. Uh, when, when it came comes to our scrum, we we got better this week. Uh, uh, even though our type five, you know, another late change, still kind of experiment, experimental. Uh, it, it performed really well uh, when it came when it came to scrummaging, when it came to running. Um, but uh, in, our set piece let us down as as much as it helped us. You know, Joe Tafete, uh, he scored a hat trick. Like he is now the leading try scorer for all front rows uh, in the world at the international level, and will not like the the record may end up getting. He's I think sixteen, so eighteen. So he's played twenty one test matches, and he has eighteen tries. Keith Wood, the raging potato, is who he is who he surpassed. Uh, so. Like, and Keith Wood was the standard for like running, scoring front rows. So that says a lot about that record because it's been 30 years or something like that. Uh, I spoke to Garrett Gold today during press availability. Uh, when it came to this, you know, I, I want to say 
that Gary Gold and Blaine Scully, probably our team, uh, to a greater extent, uh, they're leaders. And uh, they understand a concept from a shout-out to Jocko Willink, uh, who wrote this book. It's called Extreme Ownership. They owned they owned this. Like, you know, they're like, we didn't, we didn't do it. Because I asked about the, the game plan. You, you know what? They want to play possession, attacking rugby, puts in the chip and chase, and make other teams play out of their own half, while also putting themselves in position to grab that ball and, you know, score, score points from the gap. Uh, but, and it didn't work. And, you know, he's like, uh, Gary said they, they didn't execute the game plan well, which is why we had so many problems. And, and the biggest thing is for him is, is to understand uh, going forward is how to make the adjustments. But here's the other thing that we had. Uh, you know, penalties hurt us. Uh, Pally DeLuca, dude, go away. Like, when it comes to international refs, I'm telling you, tier twos, countries are getting the shaft when it comes to the standard of ref. Uh, I, I know I shouldn't be doing this and going after a referee. I'm not, dude, you're probably a great guy. You're just not, you're not, you're not ready for this. Because I, you know, I saw like on the, on the scrum, which I really didn't think our scrum was the problem. You you just saw like Uruguayan props just yanking that thing down, and no penalties being called for that. So, and that's that's and that's a, a big discussion we have amongst front rows is you know do refs really need to know how to how to ref a scrum? And it seems that they really don't, um, which is. Cool because the Sabercats uh, and really Texas rugby in general with Scott Green. They talk to the preeminent scrum coaches in the country, in this case, both uh, Justin Fitzpatrick and Darren Morris, and they do like collaborative uh, professional development so that referees can understand how to, how to ref a scrum uh, very well. But still, even though we co- – and then we committed penalties – we were either committing penalties or giving just coughing up the ball. And one of the things that was really hard to watch was our transition defense. When we did put the ball down to take advantage of a gap and we were unable to come up with the ball, we then had no transition defense and gave up three easy tries. Uh, you, when this roster came out for Uruguay, I knew it was going to be a tough match. And yes, I'm still eating crow on my statement about us having outgrown the ARC. One of the things that Gary said is, you know, we're a performance-based organization, so it is better to get these lumps in now so that we can fix them. Because we've had they they've had the hard conversations this weekend already. They've the like players get evaluated at every single position. Like they, they've had these discussions and what to improve upon. And it shows the resilience and the maturity of a squad to respond to adversity like this. And, and Blaine said it best is like, you know, we just have to be leaders, every single one of us on the pitch and understand what we're doing wrong and be better about it. Uh, you know, I guess we, we talked about uh, handling errors a little bit, but turnovers, we'll read that. They played like the Glendale Raptors of like the first couple of weeks of the season because they just coughed at the ball. 
uh, a lot. Um, but at the end of the day, even then, uh, when you count the missed kicks, miss, the misconversions and missed penalties that we had, probably shouldn't have missed those penalties. We were still in position to win this thing, which sucks a lot. Uh, you know, I'm sure the boys, like, they're hurting, but they're, they'll be all right. Like this isn't this is every team, even the All Blacks, has a bad run of form, and the pressure was different than you know a couple of years ago. Uh, we went on a ten and two run, or ten one and two, or ten and one run in test matches, and no, no, fuck, nine and one run in test matches. And 10, one and one, or like, no, 10 and two total when you include non test matches against uh, Argentina 15 and the New Zealand Maori in 2018. So we were coming into this, the pressure was different. Everyone had our back in this competition, wanting to take our scalp. And, uh, you know, Los Taros did it. So it's about bouncing back. Liam, did you have any uh, thoughts on this one? Uh, I wasn't able to catch this game uh, in full. However, obviously, I was disappointed by the result. And as Aaron said, there was a lot of deficiencies uh, in this game, uh, according to a lot of the write-ups that I read, most specifically uh, with turnovers and penalties. So obviously disappointing, but kind of like how we said, every every team has this run of bad form. Um, you know, And right now, it's just looking like a three-peat is not going to be in the cards for uh, – the United States this time this this time around. Well, that's true. Um, this has also impacted our uh, ranking in on the World Rugby chart, hasn't it, Aaron? Yeah, uh, we've now dropped to fifteenth. And uh, but the cool thing about this weekend, guess what, what is it? Because we dropped, we can now take ranking points from Canada which we couldn't previously because of where we were ranked. I oh, guess that's a silver guy. lining. If there has to be one. <laughs> All right. Well, it is almost 10 o'clock, so we're in extra innings already. Uh, let's go ahead and go through our guesses from last week and see how it stacked up. And you guys are good as usual with me just reading through them. Go right I ahead, man. So first game was the Rooney at Houston. Uh, we all three had Rooney winning this one. Uh, Aaron said by eight. Uh, Liam said by seven. I said by 20. The final score was 35 to eight. Uh, okay. We had uh, the next one was Toronto at Raptors. We all got this one wrong. We all said Toronto was going to win. Uh Aaron said by seven, Liam said by 12, and I said by five. It turned out to be 22-0 for the Raptors. Well, shit. Uh, then we had uh, Nola at Utah. And this is the squeaker. Uh, Aaron said that Nola would win by five. Liam had Nola by 10, and I had Nola by 10. Turned out they won by two, 21-19. That does it for MLR. Then we had the USA-Uruguay match. And, uh, well, we all said, okay, you guys said USA was going to win. Aaron had it by seven. Liam had it by nine. I had Uruguay winning by two. And as it turns out, uh, 
Uruguay won 32 to 25. So, uh, the worst possible way to take a win. Aaron, uh, why don't you talk us <laughs> through the MLR stand, current standings? Ah, Gumbo Rugby back on top with three points. Uh, well, actually, no, five points, right? Yeah. Game from uh, this one. Uh, no, that's incorrect. Screw me. Uh, one bonus point in, in this victory. Uh, moving, taking 21 tournament points. Uh, and then San Diego at second with 18. Uh, sea Wolves idle uh, at third with 16. And then the Raptors ascending to fourth. Wow. Uh, New York continues their little march up. Uh, they are now uh, three and one uh, with 13 points on the table, but at fifth. Uh, Toronto drops again to uh, sixth, and they have 12 points. Utah, um, you know, they've got seven points on the table. They're one, two, and one. And then Sabercats, uh, well, uh, they're still above Austin right now. They've got six yeah, tournament. What do you fucking do? They've got six table points, and then Austin is adrift. And I think Austin travels. We'll find out in this preview. All right. And I would point out that after week six, we are one third of the way through the season. So, holy crap. That, that went fast. Like, from. From, from I, I can remember waiting for the inaugural season to begin, and now we're just we're in the grind of season two. It's crazy. It's good stuff, though. Oh yeah. I, I think every so often you do have to take a step back, real quick, and just remember it is freaking awesome that we get to watch professional level rugby in the United States every single weekend for an extended period of time. Mm-hmm. I don't it's, know. It's pretty. I'll tell you what. Yeah, it's fantastic. All right. We, going into week seven, here's what we got. We have got on Friday night, Rooney traveling to Utah. That's at 9 p.m. Eastern on the ESPN Plus. Saturday at 9 p.m., we have got Austin at Glendale, and that's on Glendale's NBC partner, News9.com. Sunday, we have got. Yeah, hello. We're supposed to give scores here. Yeah, well, I'm going to run us through the schedule, and then we'll go back and hit the scores. Oh, man. Thanks, Dad. Sunday, we have got uh, Sabercats at Seattle. Uh, it's an 8 p.m. start on ESPN+. And the game of the week starts at 10.30 p.m. Eastern, and that's Toronto at San Diego. So, starting with Rooney at Utah. Aaron, what do you think? Going New York minus four. I think uh, the Warriors are going to be tough, but... New York will get it done. Liam? Uh, I cannot exactly remember what I put on the rundown, but I'm going to go Minus 14. My, yep, yep, that sounds about right. Yeah, I'm going to go Rooney minus 14. I think the strength of that back line is going to carry them over Utah's otherwise pretty stout defense. Well, and I'm thinking that Utah has been showing some success, especially at home. So I'm going to go – I'm still going to say Rooney wins, but I'm only going to give them two points. Uh, we've got Austin at Glendale. Uh, this one should be a pretty straightforward. Aaron, what do you got on this one? This is, this is probably being a bit generous to Austin, but uh, Glendale Raptors minus 10. Liam, you've got minus 9. What do you think? Uh, yep, um, that, that, that definitely sounds about right. Um, I think Austin's going to, you know, as usual, give a pretty impressive showing either at the 
beginning or at the end of the game, but unfortunately they're going to be completely faded in, in one half or the other, and that's going to sink their any of their chances. They'll put together some impressive tape, but overall it's just not going to be enough. Well, and I'm going off of uh, what Glendale did Toronto, and I'm going to say Glendale by 14 on this one. Oof. All right, Sabercats at Seattle. Uh, once again, this seems like it should be pretty obvious who we're get, picking. Aaron, what do you think? Well, it depends on if the the attack for the Seattle Seawolves progresses. If it does, it can be interesting, but I'm going Seattle minus nine because you know what? The, the Sabercats, they, they still got something in the tank, or at least I think they do. So please, oh, they, they, please, they please let's play a game. I want to see some rugby. Liam, you've got Seattle by five. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I, I'd hate to choose against the Sabercats once again, but right now Seattle's just too well-balanced of a team for me to really uh, pick against them, especially with the issue that uh, Houston has, especially on the back line. I don't, I, I'm not entirely confident with their ability to break the seawall, at least not consistency, consistency throughout the game. Um, the one place that I do see Houston having a chance is if they can uh, turn some – Good phase, uh, good offensive phases out of their scrum, which I believe to be, you know, a few, a few, a few powers above Seattle's. Um, if, if they can capitalize on that, then this, they definitely have a chance in this game, which is why the low margin of score that I gave. And then wrapping up the MLR weekend, we have got Toronto at San Diego. Aaron, uh, yeah, you know, it's this is where I think it's going to be different. So I'm going uh, San Diego in the heat, um, right? <laughs> San Diego minus 10. I, I think they're going to be too much. They've got a creative attack. Their scrum is probably the best in the league right now. Uh, they're rested, so they'll have some injury, guys from injury back. It's uh, probably not going to be nice, but, uh, you know, Toronto's got some pride, so – not giving it too much to the Legion. Liam, you've got uh, San Diego by three down. Yeah, uh, I think Toronto's going to try to bounce back in this one. They still have a pretty good forward-oriented attack, but just like Seattle versus Houston, I think San, San Diego is a really well-balanced team. They're going to be able to exploit the weaknesses that Toronto has, especially uh, on the on defense on the outside, especially uh, you know going along the touchline. Uh, I think we're going to see a really big game from uh, from a, from a lot of people. Uh, you know, in San Diego, they have the people to be versatile and you know exploit Toronto where it counts. And then uh, I'm going to go with San Diego by ten on this one, just because I like what San Diego's been showing and. I don't like what arrows have been bringing, so I guess we'll see what happens. And then uh, we also have the Can-Am match. Can't uh, can't miss that. We got U.S. versus Canada, and this is the second match being held in Seattle. Um, it's one, a Canada home game. Yes, it's technically a Canadian home game, but it is in being played in the U.S. I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it is Friday night, uh, March 8th at 10 p.m. Eastern on Flow Rugby. Aaron, what's your prediction for this one? I forgot it was Friday. It's, um, well, uh, bounce back uh, performance by the Eagles, uh, sticking with minus six here. However, uh, the Iceman, the reason why I call him the Iceman is because when Phil Mack looks at you, your your blood freezes. Uh, he's you know, He's just got this these eyes that pierce you. It's kind of it's kind of interesting. 
but the Iceman has been called up. So Philly Mac is going to be leading the uh, Canadian national team in this match. Uh, I think they, they needed him most of the ARC. And the reason why some of their results turned out the way they did uh, is because uh, Kingsley was trying to experiment, develop depth, uh, you know, incompetent sort of things uh, to say, to be honest, when you're this uh, close to a World Cup, when you're trying to do what Gary Gold is doing, and which is play the most consistent roster you can as long as the clubs are willing to release players. And, well, uh, it's it's – I think they're going to score a lot of points on both ends, but I think the Eagles' defense and pride is going to overcome uh, what Le Rouge got in the tank. Liam, you've got USA by seven. What are your thoughts? Uh, I think USA is going to be looking for a bounce back. We have a lot more playmakers on the outside that I think you know are more effective with the ball in hand, so I'm just going to go with my gut on this one with USA. Okay. And I'm going to go with U.S. as well. In spite of my prediction last week, I'm going to say U.S. on this one. However, I'm only going to give them three points. I'm going to say they win by three, and that's just because in rivalry games, stats get thrown out the window. It doesn't matter. You're playing for pride, and you're playing for uh, national pride, especially with the border countries like this. So, Well, the trophy that – uh, is contested in the Can-Am series this is one of the coolest rugby trophies not named the Webb Ellis Cup. So it's it's definitely worth, uh, worth playing for. All right. So that does it for our schedule. Thank you, guys. Uh, you feeling like a speed round of questions from Bob? <laughs> yeah, most of these can be done very fast, so let's do it. Okay, here we go. Start your engines. Questions from Bob. This comes from our partners over at Reddit. And just be sure to visit the page reddit.com slash r slash mlrugby each week to participate or hit us up on Twitter. We usually post something there too. Okay, first question. Colin45, when can we expect the broadcasts to get the national flags right when they show the starting lineup before the games? Um, well, uh, every time there's an error, I send, I send my corrections. So hopefully soon. There you go. Yeah. I'm going to go with Aaron on this one. Ho- ho- hopefully soon. It's, it's just something you got to give people time to get right. It's the, it's yeah. USA and rugby, man. Nothing's going to be perfect. It's embarrassing. Well, I mean, think about this, like on the, the highest or Maybe not highest, but what I would have hoped the most expensive production last weekend, which should have been, maybe it wasn't, USA versus Canada. Uh, they said the, the graphic when Will Hooley was kicking said Will McGee. So if the highest paid production of a game over the weekend can't get it done, and it's a national team game, that shows you the, uh, you know, the the bumps and bruises we are facing in American rugby on broadcast right now. At the end of the day, we're still just people trying to do our best. All right, greetings, ADM. What is the proper blah, blah, What is the proper plural form of try? And will someone tell the Rooney social media people? 
Fries. Um, so, okay. Fries, yeah. Lightning, lightning round. T-R-Y-S if it's one player. T-R-I-E-S if it's multiple players. All right. Wow. Oh, that, that's what John meant. Okay. Hmm. Learn something new. Talk about like cactuses versus cacti. Like try I? <laughs> Three <laughs> try I? <laughs> you play that with a die or a dice? <laughs> Fuck off from that. <laughs> uh, this one comes from Twitter. Bill Beck at, at the Benjamin Rush. Nola go, is Nola going to the championship? Oh, is Nola going to win the championship by 20? Too low? <laughs> They'll score more than 20 points, but uh, I don't know yeah, about okay. by 20. <laughs> Whoever's been looking into Nola uh, playoff tickets, I would say definitely start buying them now while they're cheap. Uh, we'll talk about the championship maybe in a few weeks. We'll see how Seattle and Rooney are doing uh, in their playoff pursuit. But eh, no, not the most insane thing. Yeah. Okay, the tallest gnome. Why is Vancouver not in the mix for 2020? Because Seattle. I don't know. Uh, I know some things, but it requires some whiskey in a corner of a bar. If people get their things together, you know, uh, Vancouver is a market MLR wants, but I, I have no idea. All right. Say knee asks are the gorgeous rugby lines at starfire going to be permanent or will the stadium revert to the rugby soccer combo after the arc tests in my uh, jamarcus russell impression <laughs> please 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 you didn't find the blue lines just super stylish and fun no, I didn't, man. And honestly, Starfire is too nice of a stadium. They pack that stadium week after week. I would love to see them just to keep the field as nice as possible and pertinent to rugby. Uh, I get that they have a soccer or something team that plays there every now and again, but yeah. It just takes a hose, man. Water-soluble paint. Like, it's not a big deal. I don't, I don't know why we've been fighting this fight so long. Do you want to go out and work with a hose in Seattle weather right now? <laughs> Freaking winter, man. They pay people for that. for that job. They, they pay people for that. $15 an hour, Seattle minimum wage, baby. Let's go. You know, I used to work maintenance at my college, and I had to do stuff like that. And despite the fact that they paid me, it still sucked. <laughs> <laughs> Conky2195. How is MLR as a league doing financially, and how are the clubs doing financially? Private company. Don't know. Uh, I suspect uh, the teams with sponsorships are doing better than the teams without sponsorships. That I can guess. I am not allowed to comment on anything financially related to the Sabercats that I may know. That's fair. I think that's uh, – I mean, oh, yeah. Um, I, I'll, I'll mention this. NDA – NDA, NDA. There you go. Yeah, same boat. So, yeah, that's where me and Aaron are coming from right now. <laughs> nope, it, it's fair. And, you know, uh, we'll leave that one up for some Reddit sleuths to go ahead and suss out themselves, I guess. Um, I will say that it was nice to see uh, a sponsorship logo pop up on NOLA's uh, kit this weekend. So, that's in Louisiana, so that's just perfect. 
Yeah, Louisiana Tourism uh, appears to be sponsoring them now. So, hey, you win a few games, and look at that. I want to see John Goodman's face on the front of their jerseys. Just nothing else but just John Goodman. <laughs> the guy probably has enough money that he could just do that. <laughs> yeah, he's a big Nola Gold fan, man. I mean, it's not out of the realm of impossibility. Yeah. All right. Um, so kind of similar situation on this one. Um, I think, Aaron, you might have to take this next question from Drakus. He'd like to know, just how hot is Fitzpatrick's seat in Houston right now? I have so, to say it should be scorching. So so what do they say in beer pong when you, uh, when you, make, when you make two in a row heating up. heating up? Yeah, there you go. That's That's my answer. <laughs> Life Love Rugby uh, off of Twitter, LL, at LL Rugby. How much are officials being paid this season? Will, and sub-question, will TMO be used next year? Uh, it's, I don't know. Um, I, would ex- I would suspect it's a, it's a minimum, well, sort of. It's a minimum of expenses plus some cash. I'm guessing it's, I need to know what test match officials are making because it's going to be less than that, but it's going to be more than what they're making per game in Texas, which pays all their refs $50 a game. So it's probably like 200 bucks plus expenses. Uh, TMO there's TMOs assigned for, for this season, but I don't know when they're coming. There's four of them, four different individuals. Uh, I'm guessing they're, uh, they're predisposed with some other rugby contracts before they come here. There you go. Liam, you got anything to add to that one? No, I'm just going to go with that. Fair enough. All right, guys. I think that's it. Great lightning round. Good work. Woo. Uh, on our way out, do you have any final thoughts for us? Aaron, you want to go? Spring break. Dude, you're like fucking 35 <laughs> spring break. Okay. Fuck you, man. Like my... <laughs> My hairline might say I'm 35, but I am like, I am closer to your age than I'm than I am to Corey. Okay. True, but all right, but no, if I get accused of being 17 in every freaking bar I go to, then I get to say <laughs> <what you're> 35. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I'm look. Uh, the the Saber Cats are away in Seattle. Uh, I don't I don't tend to travel with the team unless it's to Austin or to New Orleans. So I get to actually stay home and watch a game on TV uh, for once. Wow. Yeah. That's going to be. Oh, I guess a shout out to uh, the Eagles Sevens side winning the cup and the gold medal for this round. Uh, We've we've hit the final every single, every single tournament this, this uh, year. And, uh, you know, took a gold two times in a row at USA Sevens. So, uh, man, we're going to make it. Um, Danny Barrett broke his arm. So he's going to be out for a little while. But. Perry Baker is coming back, probably by Hong Kong. Gotta love those sevens players. That's it's always a fun, it's a fun game to watch for sure. All right, guys. Well, thank you again for joining us. Uh, once again, we are Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby Podcast. Uh, please note that the opinions we express on the show are those of the hosts and guests and do not necessarily reflect the beliefs or practice of Major League Rugby teams or the league. Aaron Castro is employed by Major League Rugby. Liam Madigan-Fried is employed by the West Houston Lions and Houston Sabercats.
With all that said, be sure to tune in to the show next week. We'll be live again here on YouTube every Monday night and available for, uh, for download via podcast on your favorite podcast app every Wednesday morning. If you like what we do, please subscribe to us on YouTube and iTunes. Throw us a five-star review on iTunes and we'll read it out. And uh, that really helps us out. It helps folks find us. Be sure to share your own news, views, and abuse with us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or via email at, uh, g- at earfulofdirt at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week. And until then, get out there and watch some rugby. Thank you for listening to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby Podcast. We're live each Monday night on YouTube, available for download every Wednesday morning through your favorite podcast provider, and always online at earfulofdirt.com. Subscribe to our channel on YouTube and like us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can share your thoughts with us via our voicemail by calling 720-600-2679. We're live again next Monday at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. We'll see you then.